the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Because we cannot be a Christian without believing in the right Jesus. Welcome to Core Truth Radio, a radio ministry of Core Church Los Angeles with pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn. Pastor Steve will be teaching us God's truth right from the Bible with lessons that we may not want to hear, but we need to hear. Let's jump right in today's study. Jesus, the God-man, died, was buried, And he rose again from the dead. The creator of the heavens and the earth died for his creation, you and me. He was buried in the tomb and he rose again on the third day. And he is alive, just like the Bible says. So why am I making this a major issue here? Because we cannot be a Christian without believing in the right Jesus. Because again, you have Jehovah's Witnesses that claim to be Christians. But yet they believe that Michael the Archangel did all this. But the Bible declares clearly, no, 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 God didn't just create an angel to come down here. Hey, sorry, Michael, you drew the the short straw. You got to go down there and die for all of humanity. Really? Hey, can't Gabriel do it? Can't someone else? No, God loves humanity so much. He didn't send some angel down to die for the sin of humanity. God himself, the creator, came down to die for his own creation. This is what makes the Bible unbelievably special. Because we cannot be a Christian without believing in the right Jesus. Acts 4.12 says this, And there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved. We can only be saved through one name, and that was the name of Jesus, who's the God-man who died for our sin, not an angel. Isaiah 43, 11 again says, there's only one God, and he is the Savior. He is the deliverer. He is the God that came to deliver, not an angel. This is why it is so critical. We must also consider what Jesus said in John chapter 8. Remember the religious leaders got in an argument with Jesus and they're trying to pin him in a corner. They want to get rid of Jesus because he's doing all these miracles and everyone's just running to Jesus. Then everyone's looking at these religious leaders like, man, you guys are just, you're out to lunch. Man, we're following this guy over here, okay? He's sent from God. We're going to follow him. So the religious leaders are losing their stranglehold on the people. And they're freaking out. So they get into a beef with Jesus and they're saying, you do all your miracles because you're demon possessed. Oh, okay, that's good. You know, so I'm casting demons out of people uh, and I'm a demon. Okay, like that doesn't even make any sense. And so, you know, they're talking and like, well, we're not going to follow you. We're going to follow our father, Abraham. And Jesus in John chapter 8 says, oh, well, you know, Abraham longed to see my day and he saw it. What do you mean Abraham has seen you? You're not even 50 years old. And you're saying you've seen that Father Abraham has seen you? 
Oh, yeah, because Abraham died. And where did Abraham go? He went up to heaven. And guess who he saw? Jesus, because he is God. So it's like, oh, it's like, they're like, no way could you have seen Abraham. And then that's when Jesus shared with them. He says in John eight fifty eight, truly, truly, verily, verily, like, listen to this truth that I'm going to drop on you right now. I say, before Abraham was ever born, I am. Wow. Oh, he dropped. That was like going nuclear on these Pharisees here. This, you're saying, I am. See, this is what God had spoken to Moses. When Moses was on Mount Horeb, the mountain of God. And in Exodus chapter 3, verse 14, you know, God said to Moses, because Moses was like, hey, I can't just go down there to Pharaoh, the leader of the world-governing empire of Egypt, and say, let my people go. He's going to say, well, who in the heck sent you? You're just some guy that's a, a sheep herder out there. It's like, who will I say sent me? And God spoke to Moses, remember the burning bush? Remember he told Moses, take off your sandals because the ground you walk on is holy? And Moses is like, yes, sir, yes, sir, let me get these sandals off. And he's talking to a bush that's on fire, but it's not burning. It's not burned up. And he's just like, yes, sir, yes, sir. He's on his face. And it's like, but who do I say send me? And out of the fiery bush, could you imagine what that must have looked like? He says, I am that I am. You tell him I am sent you. So when Jesus says, before Abraham was ever born, I am. Oh, they knew exactly what Jesus was saying. They're like, they're like, oh my goodness, you just blasphemed. And it says in verse and, and of course, Jehovah's Witnesses, I've brought this up to them. Many times they come to your door, and then they don't want to come to my door. But anyway, but they come to my door, and I share this with them, and they just like, oh, he was just saying, like, I am another guy. Like, what? Like, you know, they're saying, well, he wasn't saying I am. He wasn't quoting Exodus 3.14. He wasn't saying that I am God. I go, well, somehow you missed that. But the Pharisees that were hearing it at that time, they knew exactly what he said. Why? Because in verse 59, they picked up stones to stone him. So maybe you don't get it because you are deceived and you've allowed a false truth to come in. You have put down the word of God for a translation of the word of God, you know, from uh, the Jehovah's Witnesses and, and where they change everything in there. But it's like the people there, they fully understood what he was saying and they picked up stones to stone him. And then there was the time when the Jews said, just tell us. Are you the Christ? They just, just, just lay it on the line to us. And Jesus said in John 10, 30, he says, I and the Father are one. And the very next verse, in verse 31, the Jews took up stones again to stone him. Jesus answered them, I showed you many good works from the Father. For which of them are you stoning me? I've healed the sick. I've made the blind see. I've made the lame walk. Which are you stoning me for? And the Jews answered him, For a good work we do not stone you, but for blasphemy, because you being a man make yourself out to be God. So again, they tried to stone him. Now every time they tried to stone him, it just says that Jesus just walked away. 
because it wasn't his time to die yet and no man has any power over God he had a plan and he was going to die at a particular time and until that time there was nothing they could do with him but they picked up stones to stone him why because in Leviticus 24 16 in the Torah the law Leviticus says if any man claims to be God it's blasphemy they shall be taken to the edge of the city and stoned to death So they had every right to stone him to death. Unless, of course, he was who he said he was. And that's who he said he was. And by the way, why did they crucify Jesus? You know, I've asked Jehovah's Witnesses, well, then why did he die? Well, he died for the sin of humanity. Yeah, but why did he die? He died to take all of our sins. Why did he die? What was the crime that led to his crucifixion? What was the crime that the Pharisees took him to Pontius Pilate and, and, and was judged? And what was the crime of why he died? Because he claimed to be God. That's why they crucified him. He blasphemed. He claimed to be God. Yes, Jesus wasn't just a man. He certainly wasn't an angel like Michael the Archangel. He wasn't a prophet. He wasn't some guru. He was the living God in human form. And since we're in the book of Revelation, another portion that throws people for a loop, so we'll just look at this for a second, then we'll go back to who Jesus was. Uh, It says the seven spirits. The seven spirits. That usually throws people for a loop. So we'll deal with it since we're right here in the text. Let's read uh, verse 4 again. John, to the seven churches that are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come, Jesus, from the seven spirits who are before his throne. The seven spirits. Well, that sounds kind of creepy. Okay. What's these hocus pocus seven spirits here? You know, so again, uh, we will turn to the Bible to be the best commentary on the Bible when we don't understand something. Okay, so we'll have to go to the Old Testament for this. This will shed some light on this New Testament verse. Uh, Listen to Isaiah chapter 11, verse 2. It says, And the Spirit of the Lord will rest upon him. The Spirit of the Lord, the Spirit of wisdom, the spirit of understanding, the spirit of counsel, the spirit of strength, the spirit of knowledge, and the fear of the Lord. So this is just simply the Holy Spirit of God as he manifests himself as one spirit in a sevenfold reflection here. He is the spirit of the Lord. He's the spirit of wisdom. He's the spirit of understanding, the spirit of counsel, the spirit of strength, the spirit of knowledge, and the spirit of the fear of the Lord. So this is just the Holy Spirit here. The seven spirits, it's just the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit of God is part of the Godhead. Again, part of the triunity of God. And you remember in uh, Acts chapter 5, we had the guy named Ananias. Okay, now Ananias, everyone's getting saved. There's a revival going on. Man, it is Jesus' revival going on. And so people were getting saved and they were just so caught up in the spirit. They're like selling their property. They're bringing their money in. And it's kind of going into almost a, a communal type living. You know, people just wanted to help the church and they're selling property and bringing the money in so the church could grow. There's just a revival going on. 
So uh, this one guy named Ananias, and he had his wife Sapphira. They sold their piece of land. Now look, they owned the piece of land. They didn't have to give one cent to the church. If you don't want to give something, don't give it. You know. So God tells us, he commands us as believers to to bring 10% of our income to the church. But if you want to give more, you can give more. If you if you don't want to give, don't give. It's just the Bible says he will give to you and bless you according to what you give to him. So it's, you know, it's up to you. So Ananias didn't have to give anything, but they sold the property. Then he told his wife, hey, look, let's say that we sold the property for this much and we'll give this much money, but we'll hold some back for us. Now, again, they did this And they were lying about what they did so they could get a bigger pat on the back. Like, yeah, we sold our property for this and we're giving all the money to the Lord. Yes, look how holy we are. Uh, They didn't have to do that. They they, they didn't have to give one penny to the Lord. But they went in acting like, oh, we sold it and we're giving all the money. So they were lying about what they did. So this is what happened. So in Acts 5.3, Peter said to Ananias... Why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit? Why is it that you have conceived this deed in your heart? You have not lied to men, but you have lied to God. The text here is saying, look, you lied to the Holy Spirit, therefore you lied to God, because the Holy Spirit is God. And the Bible says that Ananias dropped dead on the spot. See, if the same holiness was in the church today there'd be a lot of dead people because there wouldn't have all these fake people. Like if you're a real Christian, there's all kinds of grace and mercy to you. But you know, we see all these fake Christians and fake religions and all of this stuff and God's allowing it to happen right now. But back then, you're not going to start something funky and wrong because uh, God will drop you dead in, in a heartbeat here. So God searches all the hearts and he knows everything about us, which we looked at this morning, which is a pretty scary thought. Which brings up this third and final point here, another view of Jesus. So let's read some more text here, and it just brings another side of Jesus here. And this is a scary side. So it says in Revelation 1.9, it says, I, John, your brother and fellow partaker in the tribulation and kingdom and perseverance, which are in Jesus, was on the island called Patmos because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. Now, I was in the spirit, this is John saying, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day, meaning I was praying, and I heard behind me a loud voice like a sound of a trumpet, saying, write in a book what you see, and send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus, and to Smyrna, and to Pergamum, to Thyatira, and to Sardis, and to Philadelphia, and Laodicea. Verse 12, and I turned to see the voice that was speaking with me. And having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And in the middle of the lampstands, one like the Son of Man. Now again, the Son of Man, this goes all the way back to the book of Daniel, talking about the Son of Man, who will be the Messiah. Okay, Jesus referred to himself multiple times as the Son of Man, as the Messiah. He says, I saw one like the Son of Man, clothed in a robe, reaching to his feet, and girded across his breast with a golden girdle. And his head and his hair were like white wool, like snow, and his eyes were like a flame of fire. 
and his feet were like burnished bronze, which has been caused to glow in a furnace, and his voice was like the sound of many waters. And in his right hand he held seven stars, and out of his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword. And his face was like the sun shining in its strength. Wow. Okay, now we have a whole different picture of Jesus now, okay? He went from the suffering Savior and, you know, putting up with all kinds of stuff and being gracious and merciful and all this, to all of a sudden now we've got angry Jesus, okay? (laughs) We have a whole different Jesus here. So, again, why is John on the island of Patmos? Well, Christians were being persecuted and tortured in this day, and John was ordered from Ephesus to be sent to Rome. Now, at this point, all the other disciples had been put to death for their faith. It's believed that Domitian, the Roman emperor, had John cast into a cauldron of boiling oil. And the only difference between John and Chicken McNuggets was that John didn't fry, okay? So imagine all the horror of the soldiers that had this, this, this cauldron of boiling oil, and they take this man, and they throw him in there, and they're watching him standing in the pot like, okay, so what, what next, guys? I mean, it, it, it's like, could you imagine what, Nebuchadnezzar was thinking when he threw Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego into the fiery furnace that was so hot that the very soldiers that opened the doors of the furnace were killed immediately because the fire was so hot. And they throw these three young men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, into the fiery furnace in Daniel. And they didn't, they didn't burn. And, and, and there was Nebuchadnezzar like, wow, it's like we threw three in. But now there's a fourth in there, and he looks like the Son of God. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The only thing that burned on Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were the ropes that bound them. They came back out. So Nebuchadnezzar was like, hey, guys, can you come back out of there? So they came out. There wasn't even the smell of smoke on their clothes. Well, so this is a very similar miracle that God did in John's life. It's like, no, I don't want you dead, so you're going to be alive. So he's in boiling oil, and nothing happens. So he's just standing there. So, again, this is just an unbelievable miracle. But, again, imagine the horror of those that were watching this. It's like he's in a warm jacuzzi or something. Their hearts must have trembled with fear. So they took John. They're afraid of him now. And they banished him to the island of Patmos, located in the Aegean Sea. It was a barren and a rocky island, about 10 miles long and 6 miles wide. It was used as a prison, and there John was a castaway. You know, it was a place of desolation and desertion for him. Yet notice, you know, where John was in verse 10. He was in the Spirit on the Lord's Day. So it's on a Sunday. It's the first day of the week. They call it the Lord's Day. And he's just, he's in meditation. He's in prayer. Uh, John was just totally enraptured with just thinking about the Lord. Yet how could John continue to pray after he was banished to this worthless island, you might think? Like, how could he be in this joy, in this place of prayer and, and happiness? How can that even happen? Well, no matter what our circumstances are, and no matter where we are in life, we, like John, could find peace in our Savior. So he found peace in his Savior. 
Maybe he remembered what Jesus spoke and, and he recorded, you know, in his own gospel. When Jesus said in John 16, 33, these things I've spoken to you that in me you might have peace. In the world you'll have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. Maybe he's just thinking about that. Like, well, you know, Lord, it's been such a joy serving you my whole life. I'm an old man now. All the other disciples are dead, but you've let me live. And I just rejoice in you. No matter what happens in the world, no matter where COVID goes, I just know that somehow, some way, God's going to get us through. Yes, John was forgotten by man, but he was remembered by God. I wonder if anyone here has ever felt abandoned and forgotten. I mean, it's like I think it's easy to feel that way in this world because sometimes our family members can abandon us and we can be forgotten by people. Maybe someone here, your life has taken a a turn for the worse and, and you feel alone and you feel desperate. You don't feel like there's anyone, quote, on your side. But know this, in times of great difficulty, that's when we, like John on the island of Patmos all by himself, that's when we need to pray. And just like God spared John's life, He can also spare your life no matter what circumstances you're facing now. He can spare you and you can find refreshment in that relationship with God. That's why David, who was on the run most of his life until he became king, that's why he was always writing in the Psalms, you know, you are my rock, you're my refuge. When everyone else bails on me, you are there for me and you will never leave me. Then John sees seven golden lampstands. Okay, so Jesus is holding seven stars in his right hand. Maybe John, you know, had to rub his eyes a couple times. What what are you holding here? The lampstands and seven golden stars? You know, did you, you know, hey, John, were you you eating late night pepperoni pizza or something like that with anchovies on it? I mean, I mean, like, why are you having these crazy dreams? I think we've all had crazy dreams before, right? It's like, at least I have. So maybe he's rubbing his eyes like, what am I actually seeing here? What does this all mean? Well, John tells us in verse 20. In Revelation 120, he says, As for the mystery of the seven stars, which you saw in my right hand, this is Jesus revealing to John here. He says, And the seven golden lampstands, he says, These are the seven stars, are the angels of the seven churches, and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. So the stars are angels that are watching over the seven churches here. Okay, so what we originally looked at, like was one flying over the cuckoo's nest or something like that, is again interpreted just as you read a little bit farther along. Then Jesus actually gave us the interpretation of what he was saying in verses earlier. So we just had to continue reading. That's why it's so important for us when we read the Bible to read in context. Because you might find one verse like, wow, that's really crazy. But it's like if you back up a chapter, like what's been going on here? Well, who's he talking to? What did he say earlier? What did he say afterwards? That's why you have to read in context to make sure that you're not just pulling some crazy interpretation out of something. And notice Jesus' appearance. It sounds like the same appearance that was described in Revelation chapter 19. Again, Jesus is described the same way in Revelation 19. It says in verse 11 of Revelation 19, And I saw heaven opened. And behold, there was a white horse, and he who sat upon the horse is called faithful and true. Well, no one's faithful and true but God, right? Nobody else can say they're faithful and true. And in righteousness, he judges and wages war. 
This is angry Jesus. See, right now, we can come to Jesus no matter what you've done. You can find grace and mercy. We're in the age of grace right now. And God is so loving towards us. But if you turn your back and you turn your back and you turn your back one day, he's going to be angry Jesus because you've rejected him. You've rejected what he's done. And he comes to judge and wage war with those that are on planet earth. Verse 12 says, and his eyes are a flame of fire and he's clothed with a white robe that's been dipped in blood and his name will be called the word of God. And remember what John said in John 1, 1, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God and the word was God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Yes, he is the word of God. And from his mouth comes what? A sharp sword to smite the nations. Wow. Yes, when Jesus came the first time, he came as the suffering Savior to die for your sin and for mine. But when he comes back the second time, he is going to return as the conquering king, as king of kings and lord of lords. Yet, what about the sword coming out of his mouth? Connecting dots, connecting dots. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is living and active, and it's sharper than any two-edged sword. And it's piercing as far as the division of the soul and the spirit of both joints and marrow, and is able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Thanks for joining us for Core Truth Radio. You've been listening to pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn of Core Church Los Angeles. If you'd like to hear more messages by Pastor Steve, download the Core Church Los Angeles free app available on iOS and Android. Core Truth is sponsored by and a listener-supported outreach of Core Church LA. If you have been blessed by this program, consider supporting our radio ministry by texting Core Church LA, that's Core Church LA, one word, to 77977. You can also give via our app or online at corechurchla.org, as well as writing to our P.O. Box 34789, Los Angeles, California, 90034. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.